0: which isn't super fun
1: hello everyone and welcome to the hunger for the hustle podcast episode 60 whether you're watching now live or later across all the platforms wherever you are in the world Welcome to the show and another episode of the podcast where we dive deep into the world of business, entrepreneurship, and pull back what's usually seen as a glamorous business um, because we know it's really not. It takes a lot of hustle, a lot of drive, a lot of ambition, and a lot of determination to be able to do your own thing in the world and generate your own cash. My guest today, and we were just talking about this the second before we went live, is from (laughs) St. Louis, Missouri. The first... First guest I've ever had from that part of America. The gateway to the West, is, as Jen Whitman <laughs> just just described it to me. Jen is a professional speaker and coach and will be joining me today on the podcast to talk about some of our usual subjects, but also to talk about how personality impacts people's team, their relationships and their business. Anygram coach conflict specialist and professional speaker, Jen Whitmere. It's a pleasure to welcome you to the show. How are you this evening in Missouri?
0: I'm great. Thanks for having me, Jake. I really appreciate it. And I always like to make the joke, how is it in the future, since you've started your weekend already?
1: The <laughs> future's bright, and I sometimes say it's orange, <laughs> it? But you could say it's orange because um, the summer is on the way here. I uh, imagine winter is setting in over there.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Yes,
1: it is. Are you looking for, are you looking forward? Dare I ask the question, are you ready for Christmas? As you just said to me off camera, it's only six weeks away.
0: Um, By no means, no. I mean, like, by no means am I ready for Christmas. (laughs) And we have our fun extra holiday in the States. This coming week is Thanksgiving. And so we have another holiday to prepare for this coming week and then Christmas. But um, it will be small this year. Not a lot of traveling happening. So gifts won't be Mm -hmm. as much to pile in our living room. We'll be sending them them off. So I'm going to depend on the postal service to get my things where they need to go <laughs> yeah
1: I, I always like to ask that question because you always meet the odd person who is like oh yeah i've got all my gifts i was organized in like the middle of october My said my sister's a bit like that and uh, i love it a bit but uh yeah it, sometimes it sickens me a bit i'm like how can you be so organized
0: <laughs> <laughs> i used to be much better as my kids have gotten older, their gifts are very different, so it's not as big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But my 11 year old, who I was chewing out just before we started, she has all of her Christmas presents purchased for all of her siblings and and um, parents. She doesn't have grandparents yet, but she makes them stuff, so she's getting ready to do those things. Uh, she's more organized right. than the rest of us in that way.
1: <laughs> she's leading the fails in your household. <laughs> so, so, to speak about what you do. You, you know, you call yourself an enneagram coach and a conflict specialist. Enneagram is something I, I didn't know anything about, and when I read that word, of course, I wanted to learn more. And it's correct me if I'm wrong. It's about uh, the nine, I believe, it's personality traits and how they're all mm-hmm. connected uh, and they're they're visualized, represented in in a pentagonal type. Shape if you look at them up on the internet. So tell us a little bit more about that and perhaps some background on how you came to be a coach.
0: Yeah. So the Enneagram, I always like to call it a um, non judgmental observer. So it's a personality framework that allows us to see nine different ways of being in the world. And we all have components of these nine ways, but there is something that hits intensely to each one of us that fits into one of those nine types. And the Enneagram isn't just about what you do, it's about why you do what you do. So it's deep core motivations and that shows up in our relationships, it shows up in our business, it shows up in our daily lives, It's um, it comes out in all these different ways. So the Enneagram helps us see what those core motivations are even though they're kind of hanging out back here in your blind spot. And so it's a framework for you to work through what am I motivated by? What are the deep laws of my heart? And how does that show up when I'm doing really well and I'm very healthy in my choices and I'm integrating and I'm kind of firing on all cylinders and, how does it show up when I am disintegrating and stressed and everything is falling apart? And it gives us tools to work with that. So it shows up in all kinds of ways. So that's, that's the Enneagram. And I started with the Enneagram. Um, Actually in college was the first time I was introduced to the Enneagram. And at the time I was going through Myers-Briggs training. So lots of people have heard of Myers-Briggs and MBTI. And um, honestly, somebody gave it to me in this like chart and there were these super old words like, avarice and greed and gluttony. And I was like, I don't wanna look at that. This Myers-Briggs is way more fun. And so, but when I was reintroduced to it about four or five years ago, it came at a moment where I was experiencing intense professional difficulty, intense professional conflict, and a really unhealthy culture. And so when I was studying the Enneagram, I was realizing my own contributions to that situation and why things were so hard, what was happening that was specifically hitting the stories that I tell myself that are part of my personality framework. And so that's how I discovered the Enneagram and found it the most helpful. I'd been teaching Myers Briggs and teaching Strengths Finders with my faculty and discovering the Enneagram helped bring it more all together. So it was a holistic approach to resolving problems, to being more healthy, to making choices in how I operated just in the world as a person. And then I decided to get certified and continue to study so I could help other people. And so I started as a coach and a speaker, honestly, because I had a terrible professional experience. It was, it was just awful. (laughs) I had, um, uh, toxic stress turned into a toxic work environment with a leader who didn't um, handle conflict well and avoided it at pretty much all costs. and then when it came up it was every it was always everybody else's fault. And while of course we had contributions to it when conflict is mishandled and mismanaged, It just explodes. So leaving that very stable educational world that I had known for 20 years was pretty scary to start into an entrepreneurial journey, which I think at the moment I didn't even know it was an entrepreneurial journey because if I would have thought about it like that, I probably would have freaked myself out. But I knew that studying conflict resolution and studying peacemaking strategies, studying these personality frameworks and how they play into personal culture, organizational culture, communication, I just wanted to help other people. I wanted to help other people learn what to do if you're in a conflict and avoid this conflict, ripple effect, mushroom cloud, if you will, of what happens when you avoid conflict because it destroyed a team and a culture and a place. And luckily there have been some some resolutions over the last five years since that's happened but it was i want people to avoid that i um, have working toward healthy cultures to begin with working toward healthy relationships because we can't avoid conflict that's going to happen but there are ways that conflict can be an opportunity for growth and i always like to say that if you avoid conflict you are manufacturing fake peace and you got to know how to manufacture Real piece and put that together, and so that's what I like to help people do. That's what I do in my speaking and coaching, and help people with the Enneagram see how their life can be improved by understanding yourself and understanding others.
1: Yeah, I love that, and isn't that a familiar thing that we see play out? You know, many businesses come from a need that you see for or someone else, and of course, that's you know, you as we said before. You know, you've you've been in service for a long time, even before you actually started it as as a business, right? But, you know, it really was born out of something, a conflict that you had, um, an issue that you had in your professional life. And and you had to do some work to get through that. And then you transform that to say, look, I've done this for myself, so why can't I do it for other people? Of course I can. And uh, didn't really see it as a a business journey, because that, that can seem like something that's quite Big and um, scary and overwhelming at first, but um, you just kind of flowed with it, and here you are a couple of years later helping people all over um, the world, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, In fact, we were joking about, I always love to dream of the future. Like, I'm a big, like, what's next kind of person. Where could we go? That kind of idea. Yeah. And I didn't know that speaking and coaching could be its own business and career. I didn't know that was an option. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about last year a little bit about like, what do you want to be in five or 10 years? And I'm like, I mean, I didn't know I could do this. I didn't know this was a job (laughs) and so I can say I want to make this bigger and help more people and and have the but there might be something even else that I don't know or I could create in the future about that and I never wanted to be an entrepreneur like I I never my father-in-law when he was alive was this great entrepreneur and he had this great entrepreneurial spirit and I it was so great for him and I was like that's not what I want I want this life and it turns out I'm actually very well suited for that when I can help people solve their problem as long as yeah. i'm doing work that's helping people then i'm mm-hmm. very well suited for that <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: and and it's it's hard to see you know those things play out with your parents and not and not you know a bit of that sprinkles out onto you and of course a bit of it's just <laughs> you know so yeah it's, it's no surprise that your father was an entrepreneur as well and and mm-hmm. although you you weren't you have found yourself on now on that path yeah
0: yeah
1: uh, the the enneagram and, and the nine personalities How do Mm -hmm. you, I was intrigued by that when I looked at it, how would one find out which personality trait they are?
0: Yeah, that's a really great question because there's a lot of, um, I think there's just a lot of confusion when people first discover the Enneagram or they hear it or they Google it. That's always kind of the question, how do I find my type? And Mm -hmm. what's interesting about the Enneagram is that it's not like other personality assessments that are, you take a test and it goes boop, 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 and you pretty much that's your type. You come out with you're an ENTP or you are a high eye, or you know, oh, um, okay. your top strengths are
1: communicator yeah, strategy done, uh, activator. I, yeah, yeah, I've done those ones before, right? And I thought that was yeah. that would play this one would play out as well, but it's it's different. Yeah.
0: It's different. I mean, there are definitely assessments and they're okay. What's hard about the assessment is because it requires a great deal of self awareness of why you are making choices. Because you can say, I'm in a work environment and I'm really organized, but why are you organized? Are you organized because you are a people pleaser and that's what that job culture is? Are you organized because you like to be efficient and that helps you? Are you organized because that Um, keeps things from being chaotic and lacking in harmony. Those are all different reasons to be organized. And so one of the ways that the Enneagram goes through like deciding on your type is really digging into some of those ideas. And that's why the assessments are hard. You have to think about it like a why. The other thing that makes them a little bit challenging is as you grow, you start to learn what you should be. Like there's this idea of how I'm supposed to behave and to get the most out of the Enneagram, I always say that you have to be ruthlessly self-honest, but generously self-compassionate. And those two things together are how you can discover your type because you have to know that's really at my core what I'm trying to do. And that can seem negative at first but you have to be self-compassionate because that's what all of us are trying to do. We're all trying to get our needs met in some way. And so I always say that you can take a test and that's fine, but don't trust just because that's what it says at the end that read those descriptions. And if you read that description and you're like, oh, whoa, that just read my mail. I have been trying to keep all of that secret for forever. How did you know? That's probably your type. And you're like, oh, I don't like it probably your type if you read it and you're like I mean I don't I don't know that doesn't quite fit if you're very honest I don't think that fits. It's probably not your type. And so reading those descriptions is really important. And I think that's where working with a coach can be really helpful too, because we're trying to ask questions in a different way that help you get down to the why, that it's hard to do on your own, Um, especially without understanding how the Enneagram works. You're kind of jumping in to the shallow end and then trying to figure out how to, you know, do a life-saving maneuver. Doesn't work real well. And so having someone who's showing you can be really, really helpful. Um, So yes, there are tests, there's coaches. And then the other thing that I always tell people to do is read or listen to people describing themselves because you'll start to listen to a podcast about somebody talking about their type or you'll read a book with descriptions about types and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. I think just like that person. And that's when you start to say, okay, that's my type. I took about six months, maybe, of kind of exploring and slowly kind of working through and figuring out oh, yeah, that's my type. That's who I am. And that's especially helpful because actually each of the nine types has three subtypes. And that can, one of the subtypes can present very differently than the others, and it's called the counter type. And so it's especially challenging if you're the counter type for those tests to be really accurate. So I always say the tests are a really great data point and they can be a great starting point, but they don't define you. That's always your job. Even as an Enneagram coach, I don't type you, that's your job. That's part of your work of professional development, personal development and self-awareness.
1: I think that's fantastic guys if you have just joined us I am joined by Jen Whitmer and who who is an Enneagram coach and we are talking about the Enneagram what it involves the nine personality types it it involves and how you find out what yours is and I like what you've just said there Jen you know you you allow your the people that you work with to figure it out for themselves because it is about self-awareness it is about you know diving deep into yourself and go and have to go having to go to a place of exposure within yourself and vulnerability and you know you don't put that on the people you work with you let them find out Mm -hmm. and figure out themselves because yeah it's it's i think when something's prescribed to you then you then you believe you know the whole rest of that plays out is okay you keep asking what do i have to do next you know what do if that's if that's the personality type that you're telling me i am then what should i be doing in that personality type it's it's something people have to figure out for themselves and and do you think it could change as well? Or do you think
0: you yeah. are one in its set? That's a question that often comes up um when people talk about the Indian because you're like, I'm not the same person I was when I was twenty. I'm totally different now. That that's yeah, really common or-
1: Yeah. If you're doing a lot of self awareness and self development and perhaps wanting to change some old habits and things, who you are is going to change in that, isn't it?
0: Yeah. The Enneagram wisdom really teaches that you stay one type for your for your whole life. Your core type doesn't change because it's not based in behavior. It's it's based in your the central message that you were sensitive to as a child. Our personality develops as a story when we are kids to make sense of the world. And so you made sense of the world with that story. And then that part gets kind of hardwired in. And then the rest of our lives, we're trying to figure out how to live within the framework that we've created. And so you can grow, absolutely. And that's one of the things I do love about the Enneagram is it really describes what growth looks like For your type, because for my type, I have a like, I call it a starburst mind. I'm like, I could do this, I could do this, and I could do this, and I could do this, and this idea, and this idea. So, growth for me looks much more like focus. It looks much more like um, staying with an idea until it's finished. It looks, it just looks different to somebody who is always so focused and they have to finish every single thing until the very end, and there is no change until the end. Their growth looks like being open to new ideas and being open to different concepts. So growth looks different based on your personality type, so that your personality doesn't change, but your healthy growth is what makes you change. You're always looking for the same motivation. You're always trying to get the same thing to get your needs met, but you can go about it in healthy ways. And that's what I love about using the Enneagram is that really allows for that growth. It's not just, well, you're a type two and you're gonna be a two forever, good luck. It's, (laughs) you know, it's you're a type two and here are some of the challenges that you face in getting your needs met. Here are some healthy ways to help you do that. And when you come up against that same old story over and over again, you're like, wait, I recognize that story. And here's what I can do to improve that. So that's what I like about the Enneagram. It recognizes that there's something core within us, but also allows for us to grow and change.
1: Yeah, I love that. And another thing that you say is you, you specialize in conflict, right? You're a conflict specialist, and mm-hmm. uh, you know you say that came out of having conflicts in your in a professional space that you you had at work. Now, do do you tell us more about that as a conflict specialist, what that what that involves and how you help people in that regard?
0: Yeah. So I like to say I'm a a recovering conflict avoider. Um, So I didn't I don't really love conflict and conflict didn't really bother me, but I didn't. I kind of just avoided it because of that. If Mm. it was something I cared about, I really wanted to learn how to work through it because I do like things to be happy that was kind of a motivation. But one of the things that I discovered in this process is that if you just completely avoid or really blame, it just, everything falls apart. Relationships end, there is no opportunity for growth and you just fall apart because every relationship will face conflict. Every relationship, it it is unavoidable in life. Not because you're a bad person, Now, I mean, Jake, you're great, but you're not perfect. I'm not perfect either. And this world that we are living in is also not perfect. So we are going to run into each other. And if we don't know how to navigate that, that's when things fall apart. So that's what I like to help people realize, first of all, that conflict is inevitable. So what do we do with the inevitability of conflict? It's just like saying you have to transport yourself from one one place to the next. So as a child, you learn how to crawl. And if you don't learn how to crawl, then we go to the doctor and we figure out what's going on. Do we need to help you learn or do you need some help? Do you need some kind of other support? So conflict is how do I deal with this and how do I cope with it? So I help people work through discovering what the real root problem of the conflict is, because a lot of times it's not what we think it is. So I always joke about a lot of times, it's not about who left the toaster on the counter and it's not about the scheduling difference, even though that's what we think we're fighting about. Mm -hmm. We're fighting about things like respect, we're fighting about belonging and we're having disagreements over shared resources. So figuring out what the real problem is, is key to conflict resolution. So I help people discover that and then create healthy norms around conflict resolution. So whenever I'm working with a team and I'm doing training with them or I'm working with individuals, I always talk about conflict resolution as an opportunity for growth. And conflict resolution is first a posture and then a set of how to's, a set of skills. So the posture is it's you and me together against the problem out there. So I'm going to go this way because I'm closer to you. So it's you and me together, uh, the problem out there. <laughs> it's not the two of us fighting about something. And that posture changes everything. Then you got to know what to do. So that's how I help people through coaching. We talk about communication strategies, but it's a lot about posture and self awareness and discovering the root issue. Kind of being a conflict architect or an archaeologist and like getting to the bottom of figuring mm. that out.
1: Mm, an architect and, a, and an archaeologist, I guess, really because yeah, a little bit. A lot of a lot of the reasons we have conflicts aren't from like you say, like things. Like who left the toaster on? Why have not you shut the front door? Why is it unlocked? You know, where are the car keys? Yeah. But you have to like they're just the the present day things. But it it's, you know the archaeology is winding back from that. And, and where did it? What are you What's really at the? What's really at the mm. core of what's going on here? Why are you people or projects or things or jobs really? You know, grinding each other's gears.
0: Mm-hmm. A and bottom. oftentimes. <laughs> Yeah, it's the stories we're telling ourselves. We're making meaning out of who left the front door open. Do you not care about any of our stuff? You know, we're making meaning Mm -hmm. about that Um, and assigning assumptions and um, figuring out what we're bringing to that is really important. And how we then approach that. Okay, we've got limited resources. That's a reality. So how do we negotiate the limited resources of time, money and people? And so what do we do with that?
1: yeah yeah i understand it's uh it's a great thing to unpack um it's something that takes a lot of bravery to unpack it as it, as does working on yourself you know at that's mm-hmm. all i remember when um i started doing some some work and some personal development and trying to figure some things out and a friend of mine said to me hey you know like you start this stuff you, you open the can of worms and, and you can't close it again it's it's a road that never ends and i was like oh that sounds a bit scary i'm not sure i want to <laughs> pursue that but um you, you you get into it and you get a lot of value out of it. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Now you're, you're a speaker as well, Jen, a professional speaker. So tell us a bit more about that. You know, I'm sure it's been a while since you've spoke on any actual stages because no one's really <laughs> doing that this year. Um, but yeah, tell us about that how that's changed, perhaps for you in 2020. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, so speaking is actually, um, I have these two parts to my business, speaking and coaching, and they're kind of two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I was loving being, I was involved in training and and on stages and helping people, um, really solve conflict and, and personality clashes and, and really inspiring them to live, Whole and healthy lives, and that's what my keynotes are about. And I was help. I was doing training about how you tell stories, how you tell stories online, and how you tell stories yourself, and um, and all and talking and teaching about the Enneagram. And it was so much fun because I, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, I kind of like being with people, and um, <laughs> <laughs> so I really shifted. I had a keynote address um, April first this year, and i um, I had a speaking event. I had three speaking events in February. And I was t- I was going on vacation in March and had like a couple things that were gonna happen that weren't really like live, they were ongoing things. And then this April 1st keynote. So we left for vacation and the world shut down. We barely got back in. We had for the first time taken the we would not had taken the kids to Mexico, which is a big trip here. You know, we're leaving the country. <laughs> Americans don't always do that. And uh, so we were taking um, our kids out of the country and we almost didn't get back in. Um, But we did right before the border closed and everything shut down. So praise God for my um, keynote address conference. They decided we're still doing this. And she turned it into an online conference. And she was the first online conference that I had really done and from there, because I was like, well, I've done this. This worked fine. I can keep doing this. And really, I hated being on camera. I hated it. I, I avoided doing a speaker reel because I didn't like being on camera. And how much that held me back, I just look back and I'm like, that's one of the things I wish I would have done sooner is just mm-hmm. get, over, get over that and and practice so i didn't feel uncomfortable and then do it so i had this keynote and i decided i needed to get better on camera i knew this was going to be at least a few months so i needed to get better on camera so i started reading on facebook lives on my um children's books every day at five o'clock here in the state. So it was supper time so I just got used to being on camera and that just being used to that was super helpful. So because of that, I've really been able to book virtual speaking gigs, because I have figured out which way the camera goes, I have figured out how to look at the camera, right, I'm not looking, you know, you're not looking at my nose, and, you know, all those things that really block people from um, being engaging on camera. And so I've, I've really been able to continue to serve different groups of people and different organizations. Um, I've done virtual training still. So I've done a lot of that. And all and I've, done more business this year than I did the previous year. And it's all been virtual. And a couple of them postponed. I have one one gig that's still supposed to be in person in February, so we'll see. But um, the rest of them that are booked right now are all virtual. And that works great. I've got a great camera. I've got a great microphone. I know how to help people with this medium. And while I prefer. To be on stage and see the responses of people, and really love a workshop and engage somebody, I can still help them, even though it's not the ideal situation.
1: Yes, and I think it's really interesting what you said there. Um, that you know, you've got one coming up in February, and how are we going to see that play out? You know, it's going to be interesting to see how the live events are going to come back and how many virtual events are going to be kept. And and how the two are going to be blended, because I think you will see a lot more of them being blended in. And particularly as it means people don't have to travel. Some people still aren't happy to travel and won't be happy to travel one well into next yeah. year. But also I want to say, you know, it's it's November now. You said it was a fear of yours in April um, to be in front of the camera. You would have no idea whatsoever. <laughs> so well done in smashing the terror barrier uh, and getting
0: through <laughs> Hey, I'm telling you, it was just the practice with something that I was comfortable with. It was, I, you know, I was an educator for years. I I still volunteer with a group here that reads to low income, early childhood schools. And I know how to read to kids. So I didn't have to get over something. I didn't have to make something up. And then just mm-hmm. that helped me get over it. So there's always something in your business that you're like, I'm not good at this thing. And you either have to figure out, is it worth getting good at? Or do I need to hire it out? Well, I can't hire out my speaking. That's what I do. So I had to figure out how to do that. (laughs) But every business faces that. What's the thing that I'm avoiding and why am I avoiding it? It's a huge question for entrepreneurs. And is it because I don't know or is it because I'm afraid? Those are usually the answers. And so entrepreneurs always have to figure that out.
1: Yeah, it's always always, not always, but usually one or the other, right? you got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Just a quick side note, Malcolm Free, thanks for watching. Enjoy the replay. He said he's watching, but he's going to jump off, so he will enjoy the yep. replay later. Okay. If you are just going in, joining us, guys, I am live with Jen Whitmere, who's an Enneagram coach, conflict specialist, and professional speaker, and we were just talking about how speaking has changed and how Jen has to adapt her skills and get used to being in front of the camera, and, and the best way she found to do that was do something she already loved, which was reading, and reading her kids' books was the way she took to it. But we talked about inside that challenges and challenges to business, and there's been a whole host of them this year. Um, I tend to find that, you know, if, you have, if you've taken the strength to push through them and evolve instead of just, you know, fold and become extinct in, in those challenges, then it's been a year of great growth. Do you agree with that, Jen? And what's, you've touched on some of the challenges there, but I'd love to hear maybe some more. Yeah.
0: I think absolutely. Um, I, one of the things I've heard from just a couple people who were rolling in a business that was in person and didn't want to adapt to online, either for you know whatever the reasons were, um, oh, other people are doing that. I can't do that. And I think that's an excuse that can be a real reason, but it's an easy excuse to grab for, to say other people are doing that when really it's because we're afraid that happens all the time. And I, I know that other people speak on conflict. I mean, lots of people talk about the Enneagram. It's not, I I don't have, it's not like my specialty. It's a, it's a really old personality tool. And so I could have easily said other people do this work. Other people talk about this. Um, but I didn't, I decided to keep going. And that's kind of the thing that happens. And I've noticed that with other friends of mine that figuring out how to get your, to pivot your business is challenging. I am by no means denying that it is hard, but also some of it's just about fear. Uh, Again, the same basic fear of any entrepreneur. What if I fail? Mm -hmm. What if I fail? failure is part of the process my first online my first time i read to kids i was like where is the book i don't know where my camera you know all that and the first time i did my first keynote it was we've had we discovered that the chat was a minute and a half behind my talking and so i could have seen that as a failure i'm asking questions of people in the chat and nothing's happening it's like crickets you know so but If you change that mindset to say like, yes, but I have something unique to offer, yeah, lots of people are doing it, but I have special gifts and a network that needs me. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I'm definitely an acquired taste, and some people don't like that, and that's fine. Somebody else can serve them, but I know that I've got people to serve. And then I have to figure out how. I have to learn how, and recognizing that failure is a part of the process, that I get to learn from failure, I'm not saying it's fun, but it is definitely part of the process. So I think as people are pivoting their businesses, examining why you're afraid. I can't help but like go down to the core motivations. You know, why am I afraid? Am I afraid that I'm going to be trapped? Am I afraid that I won't be competent? Am I afraid that I'm going to have to be vulnerable? those fears are super deep and they prevent all kinds of things but when you see them you're like oh i can overcome that and then move forward because entrepreneurship has been absolutely by far the biggest personal growth opportunity i've ever had and so because i agree yeah and um so that's what i've seen with my friends who have on who have businesses who had to change and pivot and ones who really struggled to pivot. It was it was a lot of fear and unknown. And even with that, it's okay that this year was not the 5% increase that you were but you were planning on. We can't we can't say that, well, I did it awesome because I lived like I wasn't in a pandemic that's not fair to yourself. Like you have to live in this time and, and frame it within the context that we live. And so I also wanna offer that grace to people that I wasn't afraid, it just didn't work. It's okay that it didn't work. It's, it's hard, this year's been hard and it's happening to a lot of us. It wasn't the way I planned my year to go either. And um, But we all have to keep going because I do know that what will be next will be different. And I just want to be prepared for that. And if I would have just stuck with, well, I only do online work, I only do in-person events, I only do this type of business model, I would, I won't be prepared for what's next. Um, so being open to that, I think, is a really great gift to give yourself as somebody who is an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it it's all about giving yourself the gifts as an entrepreneur, particularly when you first get started and you're having to wear all the hats, you know, you're having to do the finance, you're having to do the marketing, you're having to do the fulfilment if you're selling physical products, you know, having to answer all the emails and yeah. there's not a lot of, um, particularly in those 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 early weeks, months, even years when the money's not quite rolling in yet, you know, you're not getting too many gifts, uh, particularly if it's just you, if you don't have a partner in, in the business. So it's important yeah. to give yourself that slack, give yourself that grace, and give yourself those gifts and celebrate the small wins, isn't it? I think it's about celebrating the Absolutely. small wins, you know, not just, not just the big ones and the big triumphs and the big financial things. It's about the small wins as well, and they can be, you know, mm-hmm. on even a, a daily or a multiple daily basis. You know, just the fact that you've got started in itself, I think, is, is, a, is actually a big win because you've, you've taken a risk there. You've made a decision. And the power of the yeah. decision is always a, a very strong thing. But in that, in talking about kind of wins and triumphs, perhaps you could share some of those that you've had whilst being an entrepreneur. I
0: think, oh, I think probably one of my biggest wins, it's a small one, but it seems huge. Like when I look back at the trajectory of my business, I was sitting at a conference Um, with some friends. It was um, just a a conference through my church. And we were sitting around and one of my acquaintances friends said, Oh, we're just having so much trouble at work, people getting along, no one is listening to each other. And I just don't even I don't know how we're going to help them. We need some training on how to how to talk to each other because everybody's fighting all the time. And I'm sitting next to her. And I was like, I knew in that moment, I have a choice. I can tell her, I've started this business and this is what I'm actually doing right now is training people in communication and conflict and pull out my business card and say, let's talk later. Or I could just go, oh, that's really hard and just talk to her like a friend who couldn't solve her problem. And I chose to be brave and pull out my business cards that I had just gotten, like they were literally cracky new. (laughs) And I had just begun and said, I'm going to do this thing. I just had my LLC, you know, which is a corporation in the States and, and, and done, I just done it. And it was my first gig. My first gig was a paying gig. That doesn't happen in the world of speaking very often. And so, and it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't thousands and thousands of dollars, but it was my first chance to really create the curriculum or the, create the program that I know will work based on years of experience in other places, but my own. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my chance to work with somebody that the stakes felt a little bit high because she was a friend. But so I oh. wanted to do so well for her. Mm-hmm. I did really well and didn't chicken out and, and didn't be like, oh, I can't do this. I want to help her. And so I was committed in that way. So it was a really big thing, just pulling out my business card at at a breakfast, to say, I would love to help you with that. That's what I do. And so that was a huge win for me. And um, I've had an opportunity. I have a few friends. I call them my blue check friends. You know, so on, on Instagram or Facebook, they've got blue checks or Twitter. And I'm just engaging with them. I've loved their content. They've helped me, blah, blah, blah. And having been brave enough to reach out to them and say, you know, we've had a few conversations. Would you be willing to do? Would you be willing to recommend this to somebody? Would you be willing to do this? And they have. And it was just like, they're just people, but they, you know, they have a blue check. So they seem scary. And actually, they're really lovely and wonderful people. And so being brave enough to just ask, because the worst thing they would say is, oh, I'm not comfortable with that. Okay. You know, (laughs) so I think some of those are my. My biggest wins of just being willing to ask, being willing to take the chance and ask, mm. because I know I'm coming from a place that I can solve your problem. I know that I can solve your problem or help you solve your problem, depending on what it is. Um, that really changes it. It takes me out of the center and lets me be a help to somebody else, which helps me being brave.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that that, that moment of, of making a decision and deciding that you are going, going to actually go forth and make a decision, ask you know, have the courage, have the bravery to do that, then that fortifies your courage and and bravery and strength going forward because once you've – something can seem so big and scary before you've done it before, but then actually when you go forth and do it, you know, and I can relate that to sometimes I've heard people on the podcast and they're like, hey, I'm not too sure about coming on. They're not be on camera. It's a little bit scary for me. I'm like, look, 40 minutes is going to go by. And at the end of it, just like many other things that you do in life, you're going to look back and think, why was I, what was I so worried about? It really wasn't that bad at all. And then that fortifies Absolutely. you going forward. Mm.
0: Absolutely. I, I was, tell- I had a coaching client this morning. We were talking through something and, and she's she was saying, but I've never done this before. And I was like, I know. And you can't do it again until you've done it the first time. So every wow. single time until you've done it, you can't you can't do it again. And it, mm-hmm. and she knew that, like she was preparing for it. But it was just like, oh, she's like, you're right. I can't I can't have the second time until I've had the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, it.
1: that sounds so simple, but I've never never thought about it from that perspective before.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so the first time I asked. You know, a blue check person. Or the first time I gave out my business card, the next time was a little bit easier. And um, the first time I had my help statement. You know that that we always teach entrepreneurs what to have. I was, I mean, like it was eighty-two words long. <laughs> you know, and like the first time I said it, it sounded like I was a robot. You know, and now I'm like, I know how to say it. I'm like, I help teams and leaders solve conflict and personality clashes so they can do powerful and peaceful work. And it doesn't sound crazy. It sounds like me. And so yeah. you have to, all those little things, you have to have the first time before you can have the second time.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely right, yeah. Now, tell me about the word hustle, what it means to you, how you would define it, and what drives your hunger for it, Jen?
0: Yeah. I think hustle, hustle is bursts to me. Hustle isn't like a lifestyle. Like you got, I was a, Um, I played volleyball and I was a swimmer. So I was an athlete in um, when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, the hustle was hustle to the ball, get to it, you know, hustle to the finish. Those last 10 yards of the fly, you know, of the 200 meter fly, you know, the last, you know, you're like, oh, you got to get there. And so you can't like there's the start and the maintenance and there's a finish and a push. And so I think that hustle is that intense go and you get there. And then you have to maintain because we can't maintain a hustle. Then you have to just keep up in the ante, you know. Um, and so I think that that's one of the things about the hustle. And and one of the things that I think about hustle that really helps and motivates me because I can give up on things if I don't. I'm like, hey, whatever. What helps me hustle is like I get to help more people. If I can help more people gain self awareness, learn how to communicate. I firmly believe that saves friendships, it saves marriages, it improves families, it helps workplaces, it helps us in our policies and politics. I don't know if you've noticed here in the States, that's not so awesome right now about how we talk to each other. I think other people are struggling with that. It helps with um, when we talk about people from different cultures coming together. So when I think about hustle for, for helping people then I get really excited. Okay, I'm going to commit to spending that half hour to do this thing because that's what it's tied to. This hustle is worth it because of that.
1: Love it. I love how I ask that question. And every time I get such different answers. And, you know, it's a really reflection of, of course, that everyone's unique and different and the way that they perceive and approach things because of often, you know, obviously their lives have all been different. And oh, I can just get a completely different answer every time. It's fantastic. And of course, you know, I've got to ask the question because it ties in with the title of the podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, of course.
1: Of course. If you had to start business all over again tomorrow, is there anything that you would do specifically differently? I think that seems like some kind of some, a little bit of an unusual question to maybe people who are listening and watching. But uh, I think in asking that question, you can find some really valuable moments.
0: I, I think I would get help earlier. I would get help earlier. I would get, and and by help I mean a coach. Um, I, I I discovered I did an online course for my very first thing, like my first kind of I'm going to figure this out. What the speaking gig, how to run a speaking business is, and so I did a course, and that was very very helpful. I think it was awesome. I think what I I needed a guide. More than I needed information. So, a coach or an accountability group, that type of situation where people are interacting with you, not just the information. I mean, some of the info, I didn't have all the information. Please don't hear that. But I needed somebody to help me implement the information. And so, getting a coach earlier on, um, would have been so helpful to me. And what I am discovering continually is that I need different types of coaches. So I have a friend named Kim Kaup, and she talks about, she's like, I mean, you know, Peyton Manning has a nutritionist coach. He's a coach. You know, like there's, we have all these different kinds of coaches. And I think I I would have done that earlier getting a business coach to help me talk about my business, getting a speaking coach to improve speaking, because I came in a really good speaker. But I needed a speaker coach to help me make that a business, Um, getting a, a personal coach earlier. I would have done those things earlier because now that I have those three and a couple other types of mentors and coaches in my life, my business is very different and it's so much better. And so I think I would have done that getting help earlier and not trying to piecemeal it all together. Like that kind of like, oh, I'm going to take this free webinar, I'm going to take this free webinar, I'm going to download that free thing, and I'm going to try to put it all to, it's exhausting. And I would have gotten help earlier. That's yeah. the long answer to say that. I would have gotten help earlier. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I think, yeah.
1: asking for help is um, something people need to do, particularly, you know, in when you've tried to figure out all the answers for yourself, perhaps ask people, you know, friends, family members, and no one can quite quite give you what you're looking for it's time to go outwards and and get the get the help of someone who can just look at it with a fresh pair of eyes from the outside looking in particularly if you isn't connected to all the things you've got going on because then everyone brings their you know opinion into it that's slightly connected to yeah um the personal side of things when you know particularly if you're looking for the answer within business and Mm -hmm. you know speaking to someone who's already done it you know already been through it already made the mistake Means you don't have to make them.
0: Yes, absolutely. Or you
1: can make less of them. I should say.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Of course. it's Part of life.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes. Now, what are some of your goals and dreams and aspirations for you know, being uh, being a coach, being a speaker going forward?
0: Oh yeah, I I would really love to be influencing larger corporate cultures, like bringing in a speaker to influence their corporate culture, their organizational culture around how we treat people. And conflict is part of that, but also Mm -hmm. just recognizing people as whole people and and bringing them in. So I'd love to be speaking in those types of places. I have great opportunities right now to influence some smaller organizations, which is really great as well, um, because you have all the entire team together in the room. You know, and and they make the culture. So um, they decide, here's how we're going to treat each other. Here's how we're going to approach conflict. Here's how we're going to approach disagreement. And so I'd love to bring that to a larger audience and really influence how larger corporations treat people inside their organization and how they make decisions and um, bring that humanity back into the workplace. I think one of the things that we have learned is... We can't continue to behave like people are robots. Um, Their kids going to come in on the Zoom call because we live the. This is who we are now, and so how to remember that people have families outside of that, or people have other activities outside of that. Even a single person does not mean they get to do more work. They've got other things that they want to do too, and so work isn't everything. And how do we treat people even inside work? So. I would love that type of business, and I, I'm starting a group coaching program um, at the first of the year, and so I'm looking forward to expanding that to being able to help more people and make coaching a little bit more accessible, and, and running workshops to also make that accessible to people that you can't necessarily, your boss isn't going to bring in me for your professional development, but you can you can do some of this work on your own. So those are the types of things that I'd love to see this business grow into.
1: Yeah, well, I'd I'd see them happening for you and happening sooner rather than later. You're putting a lot of work in (laughs) and a lot of work from different angles as well, you know, which is something you have to do now Um, with things moving as fast as they do and evolving and changing as fast as they do. You've got to come at it with different angles and approaches. And look, you're already doing it with smaller businesses. So it's just about scaling Mm -hmm. that up and outwards. And I reckon it's going to happen certainly, like I said, sooner rather than later for you. And and going back to something you said there, you know, about realising that um, you know, everyone's everyone's human and sometimes you're gonna be in on calls and the kids are gonna come in and get get distractions. It's interesting that is, isn't it? Because with 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 the way that everything's gone, you know, Zoom calls, calls like this, um, live stuff, it just and but you you're actually in a way, you're inviting people into your home and your workplace, and a part of that inherently is like that, that are going to happen. Yeah, the dog's going to run in the room and knock the camera over. The kids are going to come in. I've done multiple podcasts where the kids have come in, and they're like, "Oh, what's that? What's going on here?" You know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's hilarious to see, but it's it's real, you know. And and of mm-hmm. course, you know, we want to remain remain professional in everything we do, but there's there's an aspect of, of it. It's like Yes, we are now broadcasting from our houses to each other's houses, and in that, there's real life <laughs> stuff that goes on around us. And, yeah. and it's better just to let it let it be than try and um, try and like pretend that it
0: doesn't it. exist. Yes, yeah. Uh,
1: Great right yeah. way to put it. Yeah, pretend it doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Now
1: the three hot tips. I know we talked about these before, and um, I know you were thinking about what right. that, what they could be. But I mean, did I really you? Will. Yeah, I I got my three for our our folks who are listening now live or later across the world.
0: Yeah. So my first tip is get a coach. If you are struggling with systems in your business, get a systems coach. If you're struggling with business strategy, get a business coach. If you are struggling with mindset, get a coach like do that. Get the help. That's really my hot tip. So know what what your biggest struggle is in your business and find the right coach for that. So do that work first. And if you're like unsure, then a general life coach is actually really helpful. Somebody who is coaching people in personality like I do or somebody who's a general life coach, that will get you started. So get some help. The second one is sticking with one thing. So build in one place. So if you're going to build on Instagram, build an Instagram and and commit there for at least 90 days, really six months to a year. Like all your energy goes into building a community there. If you're going to build on YouTube, build on YouTube. Stay up and show consistent in one place, offering one thing to one type of audience and keep going in that direction. That's not mine. That's Tyler, Tyler J. McCall's. But I have found it to be incredibly helpful. So build one thing. And number three is actually rest. Make sure that you build rest into your hustle because rest is a weapon and you cannot fight and you cannot hustle if you don't have energy. So build in real rest into your routine. So when you scale, you don't fall apart. So do it now so you can be creative and have power in your business, even as a small solopreneur, but then build it in so you can scale. So that's my third hot tip is rest.
1: Love it. Um, I'm taking taking notes here, mental notes on the side, because a couple of other things I could definitely do, do myself, particularly rest. <laughs> particularly rest, you know, I realized I wasn't getting enough rest lately. And I said for the next week, I'm getting eight hours every night, which I always used to go, that's too much for me. But I think it's about giving it a try, you know, experimenting with, with things like that and, and seeing what kind of results you get when you change them.
0: Absolutely. And rest can be away from your work. Like, I'm just going to two hours, I'm going to set my phone down. It may be I'm going to put something up on my social media saying I'm out for the week, not checking. See you when you come back. Mm-hmm. All kinds of different ways to rest. So sleep, physical rest, emotional rest, mental rest. Rest is yeah. a weapon. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Love that one. Love that one. And, and getting a coach. You know, I can speak for that myself. Absolutely getting a coach um, in or in any aspects of something you need help with. Mm-hmm. It, um particularly well, as well with some of the coaches, some of the, the groups I'm involved with uh, a gentleman could called John Tallarico that provides uh, coaching called Thinking Into Results. Um, you're put into a network of other people who are doing the same thing, which, you know, mm-hmm. creates what we call the mastermind, yep. which is really yep. helpful as well, I find. Yes. Um so it's not just the coaching that you're getting; it's the networking that you're getting too with like-minded people, which is really, really helpful. Yeah. Uh, and then the, to the other point you said, you know, working on one platform at a time—that's um, you know where focus goes, energy flows. So if you're focusing just on the one platform at the, at the time, then you're gonna you're gonna get some gravity in that one, and then once you've got that one going, you know, you can kind of rinse and repeat somewhat across some platforms. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jen, it's been fantastic to spend some time with you. I've learned so much myself from you today and I hope our audience has too. If people want to find you, where's the best place to to connect with you and find out more about the, yeah. the services you have to offer?
0: Yeah. So the best place to find me is Jenwhitmercom So Jen with two Ns. And so jenwitmer.com. Um, and I have jenwitmer.com slash freebies. Oh, yep. Dick's pointing down there. there. Uh, that <laughs> can get you lots of things. So I'm, um, lots of things are there. So first thing is you can download, if you're interested in the Enneagram, there's a free e-booklet called Why do I keep doing this? Which is helping you understand what the Enneagram is and start to discover your type. If you're really interested in conflict, I have an apology first aid kit for you that has the 10 components of a real apology that can help you in your relationships at work and at home. Mm -hmm. I'm also offering on Monday the 23rd. So if you're watching the replay after the 23rd, I'm sorry, but there'll probably be another one. But Monday the 23rd, I am offering a free workshop about the Enneagram and the holidays. Like what are your personality activators? What causes stress at this time of the year? And how you can recognize your personality activators and really make a plan for a a happy and healthy holiday season. So that is Monday night, the 23rd at 8 p.m. Eastern. So wherever you are in the world... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the time um, and you can find that at the top of the page at dot slash freebies i always love connections on linkedin and follows on instagram and i will interact with you there those are the places i hang out the most
1: wonderful thanks for that jen and i uh, really really value you giving me your time and energy today it's been a great thank podcast full of energy and lessons so thank you for joining me
0: well congratulations on episode 60 Great job. Oh yeah, so it's
1: six zero. Yeah, that's a mm-hmm. big, big milestone. Every everyone's a milestone. But yeah, the but when they come in bunches of ten, that's always a nice
0: moment to celebrate. That's so always well, nice. thank you. I should thank have like my them. confetti popper for you. <laughs>
1: <Bye>. <laughs> thank you for thank you for coming on because you know, uh show is nothing without its guests and to that point without its audience. So thank you guys for listening live now or later if you've enjoyed the episode please give it a like please give it a subscribe and if you find that someone else you know that will get some value out of this episode please share it onto them as well because sharing is of course caring thanks jen <laughs> and thanks to everyone listening and watching have a great day
0: thanks bye-bye Bye.